So good. Um, thank you, Abby, for that prayer. That Man, so good. Um, before we jump in, I want to do something that um, no one knows I'm going to do, but I need to. Because when I, my very first night when I cast my vision kind of for TLR, I gave you my promise and my prayer, um, I left something out that I did not mention that I wasn't even aware of. But the moment I walked out, Ben on our staff was like, bro, do you know what you did? Like, no, oh, I'm terrified now. So I want to bring something up. I want to highlight something. Really, I want to highlight someone because of something that's specific happening within TLR, within our family, within our staff. So um, Ashley, where are, are you in the back? There. Can everyone turn around and please wave at Ashley Siefker? Um, so how, I don't know how many of you know Ashley, but um, I talked about all the staff that worked with TLR and had worked with TLR on my vision night, and I never mentioned Ashley's name. Why? Because I'm a horrible human being. No, I forgot. Um, I didn't even realize I didn't say it, but right now I want to highlight Ashley because Ashley is our project manager. She makes TLR happen. Like everything that you experience from dinner, from the environment, from the experience, lately everything you've seen on social media, all of it really is driven through Ashley and her vision for this ministry. And next Wednesday is gonna be Ashley's last Wednesday with us on staff. We are getting to send her into an incredible opportunity working with some friends that she has closer down into Atlanta. So Ashley, on behalf of all of TLR, thank you. Thank you for the time that you've given. Yep. Thank you for the time you've given. Thank you for the heart you have for this place. The fact that this is still gonna be home, that this is still a part of your family. Um, we are very grateful for you, that we get to love you, we get to be alongside you, that I've gotten to work with you for like six weeks has been incredible. Um, we are really, really, really gonna miss you and we're very excited for you. So need to do that, not just to make up for last time, but also because next week at home night, there's gonna be a chance to celebrate you and I wanna celebrate you. So if you see Ashley afterwards, she's normally around the rotunda, like making everything happen. Give her a high five. Let her know how much you love her. If you don't even know her, just give her a high five because maybe you love birthday cake, Jenny's ice cream also, because she's like smart. She understands that it's the best flavor. If you don't think it is, then you're wrong, objectively. It's fine. Guys, tonight we are going to continue this conversation about hustle and flow. Uh, this idea of how you take your hustle and you fit it into the flow of your faith. And really, this last three or last two weeks, now in week three, we've been talking through the book of 2 Peter to look at how Peter is showing us in his life, at the end of his life, how he's tried all this stuff, he's gotten a lot of it wrong, and he understands, and so he wants to help us get it right, because that's what all of us want. We all wanna get it right. You wanna get life right right now, but you wanna get life right later. You wanna understand how to date well now so that you can be married right later. You wanna understand how to get school well, done well now so that you can get a job right later. We want to live out this life of getting it right. And Peter is trying to help us. So over the last two weeks, we've been navigating what he's been saying through Second Peter, this letter that he wrote to the church. And tonight I want to keep going into chapter three, but I want to do it in a little bit of a unique way. Um, how many of you are movie fans? Show of hands. Movie fans. Here, I just watched a movie a few days ago. How many of you have seen The Batman? Anyone seen that yet? Sweet heavens. It's incredible. And if you don't think it is, you're wrong. It's so good, guys. But the thing about the Batman is that that movie follows the same trajectory of most stories. You start at the beginning, you end at the climax of the end. However, there are some movies who break that, and I want to break kind of our trajectory of how we normally do tonight. Has anyone in the room seen the movie Memento before? Memento? Like maybe three of you because you're <laughs> young. Uh, no, this movie came out in the early 2000s. 
And it's this movie by Christopher Nolan, this incredible, like if you've seen Inception or you've seen Tenet, the guy who directed that. And he made this movie, this isn't giving anything away if you go watch it, that essentially starts in the dead center, a little bit towards the end, but it starts in the dead center of the entire plot. And from this, this unique perspective of understanding the story, it allows you to kind of think differently about what you're watching. And so what I want to do tonight is start in the middle, towards the end, of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Because it's going to provide for us a little bit of context for what we're going to learn, but also some understanding of why we need a grander, a grander scope of what it is we're reading. So as we jump in, we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 14. Here's what Peter actually writes in his letter to the church. It says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, what is this? You'll find out in a second. I want you to make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him, with God. When he says make every effort, that really is kind of the inspiration for this entire series. You make every effort and then your every effort turns into your hustle and when your hurried hustle gets out of control, you start to ruin the rhythms of your life. And so he's telling us how to make every effort. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Keeps going, verse 16. He says, he writes the same way, Paul writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. What are these matters? You'll find out in a second. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Show of hands, how many of you have ever read anything in Scripture and been like, I don't know what that means? Anyone ever done that? Wow. More hands just raised than the fact that you would have chosen a month instead of six months for the real estate class. No, we've all read something that's been very hard to understand with Scripture. And Peter's saying like, yeah, sometimes it's like that. And so Paul writes these things that some things are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable, it's an aggressive word, but I like it, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And so this little piece of 2 Peter chapter 3 is where I want to land for a second. Because if you just look here, you've seen a few things. First, you've seen that there's some context within these three verses that we don't clearly understand if we just look at these three verses. But if we just look at these three verses, we're doing something of what Peter is talking about. Because how many of us, as we try to understand Scripture, or maybe you've had a quiet time, or you, you want to read your Bible, you're not really sure how to go about doing that, and so you're like, all right, I'm going to read here. And you just open it up, and you're like, I don't even know how to say Habakkuk, but all right, that sounds like a drug. All right, here we go. Verse 17. All right. No, like... So many times we approach scripture, we approach the Bible, we approach this foundational truth of our faith without any direction or any understanding of what we are doing. And then whenever we do it, we don't even read context of what it actually talks about. We look at one verse in particular, and then maybe if you grew up in church and you went to Sunday school or something like that, you decided to memorize some verses, and you're like, but I know this verse. We don't understand any context, and here's what happens. Whenever we don't understand the context of what we're reading, Peter is saying that we are so often, we tend to do what these people do. That in their ignorance of not understanding, they go and they distort what the truth actually is. 
And then they do it not just with ever what Paul says, but with other scriptures. And they do it to their own destruction. And so Peter, at the end of his life, he's got one thing left to say to the church, one opportunity to say something. What's he going to choose to say? He's saying that you need to be careful in what you actually come to know about God. If you're only getting these little bits and pieces without the full context of what is actually being said, then you are following a path to your own destruction. And if that sounds aggressive, it is. Because you're leading your path away from what God would want for you. See, in this series, we're learning that Jesus, we started by understanding this, that Jesus wants you to have the best possible life, more and better life than you could ever dream of. And if you aren't following Jesus right now, let me tell you real fast, there's maybe no other better reason to consider following Jesus than the fact that he wants the best possible life for you. That's what he wants for you, and that's what you want too. So as we draw near, we need to be able to understand the context of these scriptures is what Peter is saying. And the reason why Peter is saying this and the reason why we've been unlocking this idea for the last few weeks is because of this kind of big idea that your view of God can unlock your best possible life. It is your view of God. It is your knowledge of God that can unlock your best possible life. A.W. Tozer says it this way. We said it on week one, that whatever comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Your view of God can unlock your best possible life. So as you look into scripture and as you look into the Bible, we have to understand how to actually approach it in a way that becomes helpful for us. Here's, I think, what I've realized this week. We're talking about how to take your hustle and fit it within the flow of your faith. And I'm up here telling you how to do that. And in in some ways, I'm kind of like a coach. I'm a huge sports fan. Like sports are life for me. I'm an all-Atlanta fan that's a UGA grad, so until this past year, it has been a tragedy. But now, I'm on top of the world and better than everyone else because we win championships. Well, except for the, Frank, shut up. The Heat are going to beat the Hawks, okay? I get it. I get it. The Heat are going to beat the Hawks. It's fine. But as a coach, I can sit there and tell my players and tell everyone how to hustle. But as a coach, I can't make my players hustle. They have to choose how to hustle. And so as I'm up here the last few weeks and tonight telling you how to hustle and how to fit your hustle within your faith, ultimately this comes down to you. And you got to figure out how to hustle without me there or without Sammer there or without a coach there. you got to know how to do it on your own. And so I don't want you to have to open up to Habakkuk verse 17 of chapter 3 and be like, I don't know what this says. I don't want it to be hard for you to understand. And so tonight I want to walk through 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want us to zoom out a little bit, not just from the middle, but zoom out to the entire chapter to start to see the context of what is Peter actually talking about. But I want to give you some practical ways to understand what he's saying. And so there are a lot of different ways that you can approach scripture, but I'm going to tell you mine. My favorite one, one that works for me, one that I use personally, it's called the SOAP method. If you've ever heard of kind of different methods or ways to actually study scripture, for me, this is what I like the most. It's called the SOAP method, and it's an acronym, and this is what it stands for. It stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so scripture, you're literally trying to figure out, what does it say? That means that you write down the scripture you're looking at, not your interpretation of what it should be or how it makes you feel. No, just write it down, exactly what's on your page. That's the scripture. Your observation, what do you see? Now that I'm looking at what it says, 
What is it that I see? What do I observe? What are the things that it's actually saying? How do I interpret this for what it actually is? And then application, how does it work? How do I take what I see based on what it says and apply it to my life? How can I make this practical for me to consume in an easy way? And then at the end of that, you're like, but I'm still confused. That's why prayer's at the end, because you ask for help. Jesus, I don't understand this, but I want to. Help me, amen. That's legit a prayer that you can say. Jesus says, I've given you the Holy Spirit as a helper. So you know how you can actually approach the Holy Spirit in prayer? You ask for help. Crazy, I know. But that's what you do at the end. And so through scripture, observation, application, and prayer, you can approach any piece of scripture with a foundation of how to actually understand it. Because now this puts you into understanding how to hustle within your faith. So what I want us to do is I want us to walk through 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. And you're like, no, it's going to be fun, guys. Okay, I promise. We're going to make it come alive. But here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Um, Since none of you brought Bibles, because we don't do that at church anymore, what I'd love for you to do is if you did bring a Bible, go ahead and pull it out and open to 2 Peter chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible... You don't need to feel ashamed. It's okay, because you have a smartphone, and there's a thing called the Bible app. Version has presented this thing called the Bible app, which is a free app that you can download that has the entire Bible and all of its translations in one app for you. People use it all around the world. So if you're watching online right now, now would be a great time to go grab your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, go download the app, because LTE works fast, so download it. If you don't have it in here, I'd love for you to pull it out and walk with us, because we are going to get to see what 2 Peter chapter 3 is going to say. And at the end, I'm going to give you a little bit of my version of a soap method and what it looks like. Because I need you to understand practically how to fit your hustle within your faith. So here we go. As you download, as you get ready, 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to walk through this together. How many of you have highlighters? Like whenever you do stuff at home, you're like, I have 19 of them in every cup. It's a little overbearing, I know, but I have highlighters up here, guys. It's fun. So here's what Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, dear friends. So again, this is chapter 3, verse 1. He's like into this letter, but now you start to see something crazy about this letter. This is now my second letter to you within 2 Peter. So it's a collection of letters they combined into one letter of the church means it was probably written around the same time. This is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So right off the bat, you can see what Peter is trying to do is to get you to think a certain way. This has to do with knowledge and the things that come into your mind when you think about God and why they are the most important thing about you. Verse two says, I want you to recall thinking again. The words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So again, I want you to recall, I want you to remember, I don't want you to forget the command given to you by Jesus of how to live through the apostles. So through the people that have been inspired by God to go and deliver this message from the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. I want you to remember them, to recall them. And above all, you must understand thinking, mind, again, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. (laughs) What's a scoffer? People who will be scoffing and following their own evil desires. I don't know why they use the word scoffers, because we never use the word scoffers. If you use the word scoffers, 
It's strange. Even as I say it, it's weird. Don't do it anymore, guys. Okay, let's make friends. But he says that in the last days, there will be scoffers. People who will be scoffing and following their own evil desires. So right here, the tone changes. Because if I read this, I'm like, in the last days, huh? It's very rare that we sit up here and we talk about the last days or the end times or, or anything having to do with Jesus coming again. But right here at the beginning of the letter, this is what Peter is setting up. He's starting to talk about something far bigger and far greater than your little blip in time. Peter is starting at the end of his life to present to you the idea that as you look at your life, it may not be that it has a start and an end and then there's nothing. He's starting to say that within our faith, it is never ending because of what we believe about Jesus. And so there is this thing from the prophets before talking about how Jesus is going to come again. And this is what Jesus talked about as well. And so he keeps going in verse four, saying, beware of all this, remember what's true. But those scoffers, they will say, well, where is this coming that he promised? When is he actually gonna show up again? Jesus said he's coming back, but uh, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on and on and on and on as it has since the beginning of creation. That's a scoffer. You don't like those types of people, but that's what people would say. People would look at your faith and be like, so wait, you believe that this Jesus guy who died and rose from the dead is coming back again in the clouds? That's bananas. And you're like, well, that's what he says. And then they'd be like, but it's been almost 2,000 years since he did that. Don't you think he'd show up yet? Don't you think he would have shown up before World War II and before all that stuff happened with Nazi Germany? Don't you think he would have shown up before the plague hit in the 1600s, 1700s? Don't you think he would have shown up before? And you're like, I don't know how to answer this. That's an, I don't know where you're going, but it's this challenge to your faith that Peter's talking about. He says, but here's what I need you to know. Those people who do that, they deliberately forget, again, your brain. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. What he's saying is, I get that you're concerned about timeline and when God shows up, but you're forgetting that God is over all of this anyways. He created this rock in space that we are standing on. Let's not forget his place in authority. Keeps going. It says, so by these waters that he used, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. This is talking about the flood. So now Peter's pulling back to history, saying, remember how God actually allowed the waters to destroy the world? By the same word, and those waters, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. Again, now it's like, this is kind of scary. What's he talking about? God has destroyed the world before, using his word by water, but now he's saying by the exact same word, the present heavens and earth, right now what we know of existence is reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And you're like, why are you talking about horror movies? I don't like this, Peter. What are you trying to get to? You gotta keep going and understand the context because if you just read this, like this is insane and terrifying. Without the context of trying to understand what Peter's actually talking about, you will get lost in this. 
And then people will take these little bits and pieces of this one verse and they'll be like, see, God's just trying to destroy everything. Yep. And then they'll be like, ooh, there's a volcano that's going to explode. That's what God's going to use to burn the world. You're like, you don't know that. Will you stop and actually understand the context what Peter's trying to say? So we keep going. Verse 8. He says, but do not forget, again, your brain, what you know. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow. See, now we're starting to talk about God's character. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Do not forget that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise that Jesus will come back. He's not slow in keeping his promise that he will restore all things. He's not slow in keeping his promise that he will show up and redeem all that is lost. He is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. No, no, no. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is all about God's character. Think about it this way. If you're a follower of Jesus and you are hoping and waiting on him to show up again, and that's this continued hope that we've had within the history of our faith, but there are people in your life who don't know Jesus, and the only opportunity that you ever have in eternity to say that you want to be with God forever is by choosing to follow Jesus while you're here on earth, then we should be thankful that he hasn't shown up yet. Because in God's patience and in his kindness, he is waiting for more and more and more and hopefully everyone to come to repentance. Because what repentance means is that you turn from your ways and following the people who are giving you their evil desires and your own evil desires and you turn to God. You turn around. You literally leave the sin you're pursuing and you pursue what God would want for you for that more and better life than you could ever dream of. And Peter's talking about God's character. He's saying, God wants this for you. So you may think he's being slow, but I'm telling you, he's being patient because of his heart for you. Keeps going, verse 10, he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And this language of the day of the Lord is language that is used in other places of scripture. And what it's talking about, what it's referring to is this glorious day when Jesus comes back. When Jesus who ascended to heaven after he was resurrected from the grave, when he comes back down to start to defeat the enemy and defeat sin forever. See, we believe that what Jesus said is true. And we believe that when Jesus said he came to bring heaven to earth, that means that literally we are getting to experience heaven everywhere that it is, whenever we are around, wherever Jesus is. And he wants to bring that everywhere. So in order to do that, he's going to actually defeat sin and defeat darkness and defeat evil forever. And so as we wait on that day, the day of the Lord, it will come like a thief. No one knows when it's gonna happen. And anyone who's like, it's gonna happen on, on December 31st, 1999, well, they've been wrong. Anyone who's ever predicted that it was gonna happen has been wrong 100% of the time, okay? Don't listen to them. No one knows. It's gonna come like a thief. It says the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, then what kind of people ought you to be? He's putting perspective. He's giving you perspective of life, an eternal perspective. 
If everything that you've ever loved and you've placed your identity in could be lost because one day it will all go away, then why don't you place your identity and everything that you are in something that can never be lost and will never go away? And that's only the person of Jesus. See, Peter's talking about the gospel. Peter's talking about our hope. Peter's not talking about fire and terror and all of these things. He's saying if you follow Jesus, there's reason for hope because he loves you, because he's being patient, because what we just read, God is wanting everyone to come to him and to experience the full life he wants. And so what kind of life ought you to live knowing this context of what God and Jesus has said that they're going to do? He says you ought to live holy and godly lives. If God is the one who created the heavens and the earth with the speaking of his own words, and then he actually destroyed it through the water that out of the water all earth and all life was actually made, then he has the power to destroy it again. So if that is true, then we need to look to him as our authority and him as our truth and him as our anchor that we put our entire life to. And we need to live holy and godly lives. So you ought to live holy and godly lives. Keeps going, he says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. What does it mean that you could speed its coming? Well, why is God waiting to come back? Because he wants more and more people to come into his kingdom, to be restored to him, to be in relationship to him. So how do you speed that up? You go and tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. And you make as many people as possible followers of Jesus. You go and make disciples among all the nations. He's continuing the words of Jesus. He said, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping, this is the key, but in keeping with his promise, with Jesus' promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I never understood what it meant to yearn for heaven until I was in my mid-20s and the sin, the habitual sin that I experienced in my early teenage years, in my late teenage years, in my college years, caught up to me in my adult life, in my married life. I've never yearned for heaven more than in that moment. And that doesn't mean that I yearn to not be here. It means I yearn to be made whole and made perfect and not have to fight this war of sin anymore. And I have hope and I know that it's coming, that it's going to happen in the future when Jesus shows up because I believe he's going to make everything right. And so if you don't follow Jesus, Peter's saying you can look at all these things and realize like that is kind of terrifying. That is kind of scary that there is an end for you if you don't follow Jesus. He's saying, but man, if you follow Jesus, you have every reason for hope because a new heaven and a new earth where only righteousness dwells, where sin doesn't exist anymore, where trouble doesn't exist anymore, where anxiety doesn't exist anymore, where difficulty, where murder, where pride, where malice, where all the things that bring us down, where darkness, where evil doesn't exist anymore. We all want that. And he's saying, Jesus is going to bring that. So now you can have hope of yearning for this day when he will restore everything and make it right. So then, back to the beginning. 
So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, right? Pull back to the middle, pull back to the beginning. Since you are looking forward to this, to God making everything right, then make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him because he is in control of all of it. And bear in mind that our Lord's patience, it means salvation for your friends and for your family and maybe even for you. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote, you with the wisdom that God gave him. Verse 16 says, he writes the same way in all of his letters. There is a theme you can see in the words of Paul who wrote a third of our Bible. You can see the same theme in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters, of choosing to follow Jesus. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people will distort. I don't like the way that sounds. That doesn't sit right with me, so I'm gonna change it a little bit to make sure it fits my version of truth. This is why we talked about truth last week, because it is so easy and so often for us to go and find our own truth and live out our own truth because it's all relative and it's whatever we wanna make it to be. But the only reason why I would do that whenever I look at scripture, whenever I open up my Bible or my app and I actually look at it, the only reason I do that is because I'm trying to make the Bible fit into my truth rather than allowing my truth to come from the Bible. Whatever Jesus said can be trusted because of who he is. Because he rose from the dead, I can trust what Jesus has said. And so he's saying, don't be distorted, don't be taken away by people who don't understand so then they make their own attempt at an understanding that's just built on lies and built on confusion. Because that will lead to their own destruction. So then he carries on the last two verses of this final letter that he writes to the church. He says, therefore, and pause right here. Anytime you read scripture and you see the word therefore, the first question you should ask yourself is, what is it there for? Super simple, super easy. If you ever see a sentence out of context and it says, therefore, you should be like, nope, I gotta look back. There's more to this. I don't understand why he's saying this. Why he's saying this comes before. So therefore, in light of everything I've just said, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, since I've now made you aware of everything that's going to happen and how you can fit your hustle into the flow of your faith, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position of your faith. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him and him only be the glory both now and forever. Amen. See, when you look at the full context of what Peter is talking about in 2 Peter chapter three, you start to understand the message that he is trying to communicate to you in full. So instead of just looking at verses 17 and 18, now I'm able to see why and what he's actually saying. This is a big word called hermeneutics. I wanna dig down to see what is actually being said in the context of what the author is writing. Not my interpretation or whatever makes me feel right with what I think should be good and bad. No, no, no. Hermeneutics pulls back and says, I'm gonna actually look into scripture and ask, if this is what it says, then that's what I gotta wrestle with. 
Not my feelings, but this truth. So, now that we've read it all, here's my example of what a soap looks like. Again, as a reminder, soap, the method of it is scripture. What does it say? Observation, what do you see? Application, how does it work? And then prayer, where you ask for help. So here's the scripture I'm gonna pull that you can get as an example of how to do this on your own, how you can hustle in your faith alone. The scripture is chapter three, verse 17 and 18, the one that we just read. And again, all you like, I have 19 highlighters for everything in my planner. You may not, but you know what you can do? You can underline. It's so easy. So he says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. In your scripture part, that's all you put. Because that's all it says. What does it say? That's what it says. Then you go to observation. What do I observe now that I have read this piece of scripture within the full context? Well, here's what I observe. I observe that Peter gives a warning, an if-then statement, that if you are led by those who don't follow the truth of Jesus, then you will miss the promise of Jesus. That's what Peter just said. If you follow those who don't, or if you choose to are led by those who don't follow the truth of Jesus, then you will miss the promise of Jesus. This hope, this restoration, this one day where he's coming back and all will be made right and I'll be with him because I'm choosing to follow him instead of my own desires and my own feelings. I'm choosing to believe his truth over what can, I can actually conceive within my limited brain. The way to fight that, the way to fight following them, the way to fight that is to grow in grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. This is where you hustle. So how do I apply that? It's what I see. How do I apply that? I'm gonna evaluate the voices of influence in my life. If I need to make sure that I'm not following people who don't follow the truth of Jesus, well, I need to evaluate the voices of influence in my life. Are they leading me further towards holiness and godliness, like Peter says we should pursue, or are they distorting the words of Jesus? Because it's what makes sense to them and may not be what Jesus actually said. I need to listen to what Jesus says first. This knowledge will give confidence to combat the lies. So what is my prayer? Here's my prayer. Father, help me to be influenced by you more than by others. Elevate my knowledge of you by making your scripture come alive to me today. I want more truth and less lies. So grow the confidence of my faith. And this is what I say every single prayer because it says something about God's character and it's a reminder to me. So thank you for loving us first. Thank you for loving me first. I love you right back. Amen. That's an example of a soap. That's an example of how you can choose to fit your hustle within your faith. That's how you can choose to grow your faith on your own because as much as I would love to encourage every one of you and walk beside you and help get you there, I can't. And at the end of the day, you don't need me to do that. If you need someone else to pull you along in your faith, then you don't really want Jesus. And as Peter is talking about this idea of everything being destroyed and God coming back and making a new heaven and a new earth, we so quickly can go to this idea and this thought of, ooh, he's talking about like fire and hell. And, and then we get this twisted mindset that God would send people there who don't follow him. So really quickly, I wanna break something down. 
because it's what Peter's talking about. The only people who end up in heaven are those who want to be there. And so, so many times as we talk through this idea of following Jesus and finding salvation, the logical question that you should be asking as you navigate the idea of salvation is this, what am I being saved from? And I think so many of us think we're being saved from hell. We're being saved from some horror movie of fire and torment. But that's not actually what scripture communicates. That's not what Peter's actually saying. What Peter is saying is the people who follow their own evil desires are the ones who don't end up with Jesus. So what are you being saved from? Jesus is saving you from yourself. He's saving you from your pride. He's saving you from living a life for the rest of time where you are all about yourself. Because what is hell? Hell is an existence where God doesn't exist. Because you don't want to be around God. And you chose for your entire life to follow your kingdom and your way instead of his. So if you live your entire life saying, I don't want you, then why for the rest of eternity would you want to be with him? Now is when you have an opportunity to listen to the words of Peter and to say to yourself, maybe something about what I do right now in this life will determine how I choose and get to live the rest of eternity with my existence. If you want God now, and you want to follow him, you're going to figure out how to fit your hustle within the flow of your faith because it's going to matter to you more than anything else. And so what I would love to do is to encourage you to wrestle with that, to think about it. What do you really want? Do you really want to just build your kingdom and take scripture and play this little church game where it's all a little bit of like a social experiment where you're putting the bumper sticker of Jesus on your bio, but you're not really living your lifestyle out following what he actually says? Or are you taking your actions and your lifestyle and you're putting them against the litmus of what Jesus has said and you're saying, this is costly, this doesn't make sense, I don't like it, but it's what you said. So if you said that all men with beards had to walk in their head, I'd either choose to shave my face or I would say, if I want a beard, I gotta do that. Why? Because it's what Jesus said. I can't escape what he said just because it doesn't feel right with me. I can't take scripture and make it work within my limited understanding for what feels right to me. I've got to take it for what it actually says. Because when I do that, I'm choosing to say, because Jesus, I want you more than me. Jesus, I want you more than my feelings. Jesus, I want you more than my comfort. Because what I need is you. So I'm so excited that next week, you're gonna get to hear people that aren't gonna sit up here and try to teach something to you about why following Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. They're gonna come up here and tell you their stories from their experience and their perspective. And you can sit up here and argue and, and sit around with people who can argue about the Bible or theology or what you believe all day long, but it's really, really hard you can't argue with a story because it's their life. And so next week, you're gonna get to hear so many of your friends share their story of how they've chosen to follow Jesus. And this week, there are some of you who are gonna walk away from tonight wrestling with this idea of what it means to actually follow Jesus and whether or not you want to. And so I'm just telling you right now, I am teeing you up. that Next week, there's gonna be an opportunity for you to respond based on seeing and listening to the stories of your friends 
and what we've been talking about this past month. So what I'd love to do is to pray for y'all, to encourage y'all, and then to invite you back for next week because it is going to be a night like none other. So let me pray for you and then I got three things we'll walk through. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for what you've done, for who you are and the fact that you desire to grow us up in our faith. I pray that you would help anyone in this room who wants more of you. You would help them to draw near to you and that they would find your promise to be true that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So would you open up their hearts? Would you open up their minds? Would you show them something of your character this week so that they can say, I want you more than anything else. So Father, thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I pray that you would guide them, that you'd be before them, you'd be beside them in the same way that you've been behind them. And thank you for loving us first. We love you right back. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.